What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way throughout the entire season, make sure you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. We've got new Cowboys articles up there every single day. We've got you covered with the latest news, opinion, and analysis and there are big things about to be announced for ADC Sports on Thursday. I cannot say much more than that, but be on the lookout for big announcements. Uh, excited for those for sure. Welcome into the show, everyone. Do me a favor, hit the like button, share the stream. Remember that every like allows us to put this show in front of more Cowboys fans. Tonight on the show, we'll talk about Dan Queen and what he had to say on a very good interview, by the way. Once this show is over, I do recommend you go listen to the full interview for Dan Quinn on the Doomsday podcast hosted by Ed Verder and Matt Mosley. Really good stuff. Uh, and it's amazing to listen to Dan Quinn talk some football. You got to love that. Some X's and O's, some coaching philosophy stuff. We know that Dan Quinn might want to be a head coach down the road once more, whether it's with the Cowboys or someplace else. But so far, we got to enjoy just defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. And we'll talk about why he believes the Cowboys can still take it up a notch after exceeding every expectation in 2021, because that is hard to do. He came in, turned one of the worst defenses for the 2020 season into one of the very finest in 2021. And don't listen to those storylines on... That happening just because of the takeaways. Of course, that leading the league in takeaways would help the Cowboys a lot in efficiency towards the end of the year. But the, the, the fact is the Cowboys were efficient consistently. Turnovers or takeaways or not. Even when the Cowboys were not taking the ball away, they were an efficient defense. Maybe the takeaways are what put them in elite kind of conversations. But the Cowboys should be successful even without Trevon Diggs racking up 11 interceptions at the end of the year. I truly believe that. And I believe one of the reasons to believe that is the Cowboys' success rate on defense, a statistic that doesn't measure the weight of any play. It just measures whether it was successful or not. And the Cowboys ranked third in the league in that category. So let's see some of your comments here before we get into Queen's quotes. Uh, Toxic Tom says, I hope Queen leaves. So he can go to a contender. I hope he doesn't leave Toxic Tom. Come on. I've said this before. Uh, I like that. I understand where those comments come from. But it's already difficult to go into any team and make the Super Bowl. So I can, I can you know, wait for that. I, I, I would like to see Queen stay. And I will be honest. I'm not sure about, I'm not sure that I'm behind the Dan Queen for head coach train either. Because I like the version of Dan Quinn that is just out there on the playing field teaching guys how to play football. More on that later. I think that's where he's what, what he's best at. And maybe a head coach cannot be as hands-on as Dan Quinn is right now for the Dallas Cowboys. But anyways, anyways, now, now Toxic Tom is just out there, you know, uh, making his username make sense. That is why he put Toxic in front of that uh, username. Chris Farmer says, I was thinking that same thing. I believe that Chris is talking about 
what I was saying about defense, if I'm not mistaken, and what Dan Quinn's role is as a teacher. Blue Silver says, I'm not sure about this season. Hey, we've all got, we've, we have all got, got doubts, uh, Blue Silver. I understand that. Now, there are strengths for this team. Do not make any mistakes about it. There are strengths, but there are also a lot of question marks. Kevin Knight says, hard to find good defensive coaches. I agree. Uh, <laughs> toxic Tom just keeps on coming with the toxic comments. He says, we're just going to waste Micah like Ware and so many others. Hopefully, hopefully that turns out to be wrong. But anyways, let's dive into those two reasons for Dan Quinn. Because on this interview for the Doomsday Podcast, again, I do recommend go checking it out afterwards. But Dan Quinn was asked about this very thing. He was asked how to take it to the next level. How to be as successful as he was last year when there were no expectations. How can you be as successful now that there are high expectations because he set the bar high in 2021 and the number one reason was better knowledge and the quote from him was quite honestly i had been running the same system for eight years so when we changed quite a bit of the package there was some learning that went on for me too and then queen discussed that it was time for him to uh, this offseason was time for him to reflect on that and kind of see what he liked about the new system what he didn't like about it, do the same for his old system, for his Atlanta days and his Seattle days even, and try to mix and match and take the best of both worlds. Remember that when Dan Quinn got to Dallas, he was labeled as a cover tree, which is a zone coverage kind of coach, single high zone coverage. And the Cowboys kind of flipped that script a little bit. Uh, the Queen Cowboys did. And they became a man-to-man -man coverage team. They played the third highest rate of man-to-man -man coverage. They led the NFL in Cobra 1, which is the single high version of defense of the man coverage world. So it's like he, he, he stuck to the single high look, which is you know different to what we're seeing around the NFL as two high looks uh, take over the entire NFL. Dan Quinn remains true to his philosophy. And now it is about... Mending those worlds together. Nan Queen has better knowledge about man-to-man -man world and all of that. You know, along with, of course, other more specific differences. I'm talking about it in, in very broad terms. And taking the best of both worlds. So that's number one for Dan Queen. And before we get to number two, I'm going to shoot this question on the chat for the Facebook audience and the YouTube audience. Truth or false, the Cowboys defense will live up to expectations set in 2021. Let me know what you, how you feel about this. What's up, Tom Miller? Welcome to the show. We've also got David Harper on Facebook, uh, Nicholas, Joe, and of course, what is up, everyone on the YouTube side of things. Let me know, truth or false, the Cowboys defense will live up to expectations in 2021. While you give me your answers, Let's get to number two here. The number two reason why Dan Quinn believes that will be the case. Teaching and communication. And I love this because Dan Quinn talked about him feeling that there was a breakthrough on how he teaches the scheme to his players. He's always been regarded as a top tier teacher in the NFL. And at the end of the day, that is what a coach does in the league. He, he teaches players. 
He feels like the process for his defense has been better in 2022. He even talked about involving the players on the teaching process, having them explain concepts and all of that. So this might sound like nerdy school stuff, but it should work on a professional football team. Why not? And his quote was, I'm hopeful that as we're heading into the practices, you hear sharper, faster communication, communication, and where you can almost unconsciously go faster because of that knowledge of the system. Makes a lot of sense because if you are not trying to process the entire play during the play, you're going to be faster if you know stuff already, if you understand the system. And last year, there was such a good article put together by Robert Mays from The Athletic in which he discussed Vance Joseph's defense in Arizona. And the whole idea behind the article was Vance Joseph talking to Robert Mays about how in U3, everything comes together. And I loved one of the quotes, and I, I will not remember this word by word, but I remember we talked about it here on Primetime at the moment. Vance Joseph was talking about the players not only knowing the rules, but knowing where they can break the rules to improvise in specific situations. Maybe situations that an offense, you know, run out onto the field and do something that they've never done before or that that defense has never faced before and knowing because they understand the concept behind the assignment how to break it, how to communicate on the field and being on the same page with your 10 teammates that are sharing the field with you at that moment. So this is what Dan Quinn could also be referring to here. Not only the fact that they are understanding the concept, the concepts better, but you know, the whole understanding of, understanding of the defense. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these players are players that were starting in 2021. You know, the foundation of the team remains the very same, especially on the defensive backfield when you will have the same three cornerbacks as your starters and maybe different safeties, but Malik Hooker, who was already part of this system, Donovan Wilson, who already was a part of this system, and Jaron Kears, the same thing. So looking at those two things, I will lean towards true. I, I will believe, I will buy what Dan Queen is preaching and I will say that better knowledge of the system and better teaching plus communication will lead to another strong defensive year for the Cowboys in 2022. So I will be hopeful on that front. Let's see some of your comments here, though. Let's see some of your comments. Truth or false, will the Cowboys defense live up to expectations in 2021? Toxic Tom says false. I think the offense is going to hurt. The defense, which is always a possibility based on field position, just overall fatigue of the unit and, and so on. Bruce is true. Kevin Hyde goes with the hopefully. The same for Bruce. Nicholas says, Dan Queen brings out the best on his players. He's a great DC. True. Alexander with the truth as well. Uh, Robert Chuck as well. Gregory. Tommy915. Miller. So, you know, a lot of optimism in the comments so far. Gilbert also with the true. Javier says, do you think that Isaac Alarcón will get more playing time this year? I hope so, Javier. I, I really do. Uh, 
Isaac is my guy. You guys know this. Isaac is my guy. I know that it will be tough, though. I know that, uh, you know, there was a clip out there on, who was it? I believe it was, was it Tristan Hill beating our guy on a pass rush? Um, it will be tough. Definitely will. But the reason why I still believe uh, Isaac has some time to chalk us and make it to the fifth three-man roster is that the Cowboys are kind of thin at guard. They don't have a lot of depth across the entire offensive line, so that might lead to the Cowboys giving him a chance. Would be a surprise. It, it, it would probably be a surprise if he makes it. The question is, can he make it happen in the upcoming weeks or, you know, starting today or tomorrow or whatever it is? He does need to impress, though. He, he does need to, to impress us in order to make it to the fifth three-man roster, I believe. Let's see some of your comments here. Toxic Tom says, Mo, you can be the best hitter in, the, in Major League Baseball, but if your pitching is bad, you are going to lose a lot. That is true. You need your offense and your defense to work. Now, you can have an elite side of the ball and the average to above average opposing side of the ball and still make it work. We've seen teams make the Super Bowl or the championship weekend time and time again with that recipe. But what you do need is a top, top five unit in either side of the ball. There is a lot of interesting research on this very topic, and that seems to always be the case. Teams that make it to championship weekend usually have a top five offense or a top five defense. So, you know, the whole thing about defenses winning championships and all of that, it's kind of a myth. In reality, and this is what the numbers say, I've always recommended Scorecasting, that's an excellent book and has a chapter on this very topic. You need a top five unit on either side of the ball, plus a decent unit on the other side. That's pretty much obvious, but it's a good, you know, it's a good uh, book and a and a an interesting research has been done on that front. Now. That's for the defense. Another reason to believe, and I wanted to touch on this very quickly because I thought it was an interesting comment made by Jeff Cavanaugh. Time for Jeffrey on his YouTube channel earlier today. He was asked about Kelvin Joseph, whether or not he can carve out a bigger role in the secondary. And he was pretty blunt about it. Jeff always brings the facts to the table. And he says, I don't think that he's competing for his starting role at all. I'm not, I don't remember if that was the exact quote from Jeff, but he did say that. And the reason why is not necessarily because Kelvin Joseph is struggling, but it's the fact that Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, and of course, Trayvon Diggs are having a strong camp and they're winning in the practice field so far. And Kelvin Joseph is not better than any of those three right now. Is that bad for Kelvin Joseph? It could be, perhaps. But it can also be a very good thing for your starting trio of cornerbacks. So that's one of the biggest questions that I had coming into the season. Is this cornerback group going to keep up how good they were? Because they were really good last year. Like they were better than we give them credit for, honestly. You look at the numbers when the opposing quarterback was not pressured, for example. And the Cowboys defense was still delivering. And that's because of good work. On the, on, on the defensive backfield. That's because 
Anthony Brown was doing a great job covering. That's because Trayvon Diggs was one of the best press cornerbacks in the entire league last season. And that's because Jordan Lewis, perhaps a little bit more quietly, was killing it in at nickel. So, you know, good stuff from, from the Cowboys cornerbacks and, of course, safeties, especially now that Dallas is uh, using a lot of tree safeties as of late, something to watch to this season. But that's one of the reasons why you could also bet on these defense, you know, keeping on, keeping on, I'd say. Nicholas says Darren Bland is having a great camp as well. People have said that indeed. People are out there just hoping for the best regarding Daron Blant, and it sure sounds like he will make the roster. I believe Jeff Cavanaugh actually talked about this very thing as well. Uh, let's see. Michael says, why didn't you add Dennis Houston as a receiver on your Facebook post? Uh, I believe you're referring to, and I don't put together these Facebook posts, by the way, uh, but I, I do think I know which post you are referring to. Uh, the current Cowboys wide receiver depth. And we also kind of talked about this last night, so I might have a, a graphic for this. Dennis Houston was not included on that post. I know which one uh, Michael is talking about there on the, on, the, on the Facebook comments. But Dennis Houston is indeed having a strong camp so far. He could very well end up making the roster. I believe he was not added just because he's definitely not a lot to make the roster. But right now, there are a lot of positive comments coming out of Oxnard regarding Dennis Houston. And it sure sounds like he had a strong day today specifically. Plus, you've got Simi Fihoko getting a lot of praise lately. Uh, Patrick Walker, Jeff Cabano talking about how He's got, uh, he's got one or two quality catches per day in Oxnard. I am still, you know, against the idea of not signing any wide receiver, which maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but Jerry Jones did mention that, you know, they like their guys, surprise, surprise, and that they are not going to look into signing any veteran free agent yet because they want to give an opportunity to the young receiver. So we'll see what that ends up in. But it sure sounds like they're not in a hurry to sign a veteran free agent. Abraham says, sign T.Y. Hilton. Listen, whether it's a safe bet like uh, T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, and with that I mean kind of a low-risk bet in, in that you know what the floor is for those guys, or whether you roll the dice and go out there and get Will Fuller because of what he can be on this offense. I can get behind any of those. Just bring somebody in because there's no experience beyond CeeDee Lamb on this group. There's just not. It's non-existent. You might think they're talented. You might think they have upside. But the undeniable fact is that there's no experience. Beyond City Lamp, of course. But one wide receiver is clearly not enough, especially when you don't have that much of a... And this might sound a little bit disrespectful at first, but it's not. Here's what I mean. You don't have a threat at tight end like Travis Kelsey is or like George Kittle is. You're not going to be successful if you 
isolate Dalton Schultz and try to get him, uh, you know, some one-on-one -on -one opportunities in deep routes and all of that. Or at the very least, we have not seen that happen yet. It's not like, you know, you can run out a three by one formation like Kansas City does with Kelsey being the one who's isolated and still winning while you have Tyreek Hill on the other hand among other talented receivers like the Chiefs had before, uh, at least before this offseason, right? So Dalton Schultz can win. Dalton Schultz can, can you know, be productive, but can he dictate coverages? Can he draw plenty of the defensive uh, defense's attention in order to help some of these younger, inexperienced wide receivers? That's a big question that was important before James Washington's injury, but it's even more important now. Professor O, what is up? He says, Dalton is going over 1,000 this year. Take that one to the bank. Bruce says, most people are going to say that you're hating on Schultz. Uh, probably. That's definitely not what I mean. You guys know that I like Dalton Schultz. You guys know that I was, I was even for the extension at the very beginning of the offseason because I thought, you know what? He might not be the tight end a lot of us dream about, but he is the tight end that the Cowboys want. He is the tight end that the Cowboys need on this specific offensive scheme. Why not pay him, right? You're not going to get a guy like Dalton Schultz, um, you know, that easily, even for this scheme. Even if you ask him to do these underneath routes, even if you don't ask him to be a deep threat target, it's not going to be easy to find someone as reliable as Schultz. But now that the conversation has shifted into, can he be the number two threat in this passing attack? I, I have a lot of doubts that he can. I do. I do. Professor O says, we didn't ever dictated coverages. I don't expect Schultz to do that. But defenses were definitely scared about that Y option, for example, right? That, that famous play for Jason Whitten. So maybe he wasn't that kind of tight end either. Uh, but he did that. He, he did strike somewhat of a fear in opposing defenses on that sense. At least if we're talking about prime Jason Whitten, of course. Let's see. Let's see here some of your comments before we move on. Uh, Abraham says, when Gallup is coming back, we don't know yet for sure. We know that it will not be week one. Gallup himself confirmed that uh, recently. Todd Archer has said that the expectation is for him to miss one or two games. Uh, ESPN reporter. I don't know if that's true either. But I'm hoping it is. Anyways, moving on to the final topic of the night. It was not a good day for Cowboys kickers. And it all started with, you know, actual attempts, practice literally opened up with, you know, the kickers going at it, both Lirium Hairulahu on one side and Jonathan Garibay on the other. And it wasn't great. And to be specific, they opened up with this drill in which Lirium Hairulahu went three, four, eight, three of eight. That's including four straight misses from 43 yards out 48, 48, and 52. This is according to Michael Gellican from Dallas Morning News. 
Jonathan Garibay, on the other hand, went six of eight. He missed the final two, the, the deeper ones, 48 and 52 yarders. He had a chance to end on a high note from 52, but missed the mark. Now, two important notes that have to be made. It was said that there were some issues with the snaps, so not all the blame should be placed on the kickers, I believe. And also, they were kicking against the wind in this specific drill at the very least. And that's according to, uh, to Calvin Watkins from Dallas Morning News. Or actually, scratch that. That was during the mojo moment, which brings us to the mojo moment. And in case you've missed out and you don't know what that is yet, that's what has become somewhat of a staple for the Mike McCarthy Cowboys. It's an improvised period in practice in which players will unexpectedly face game situations and they need to react under pressure, try to get it done, and try to execute. And this mojo moment in particular from today actually featured three, state, three straight kicks for Garibay and three straight kicks for Lirim Hairulahu. They went a combined one for six. But, but let's dive into the details though. Let's dive into the details. The three attempts that they made were for 49 yards, 54, and 59. The latter two are hard to make in any scenario, even in practice. 54-yarder, not easy. 59-yarder, not easy either. Lirim Harilaku went one for three in this mojo moment. Got if I missed all three of them. And it kind of caused a panic among Cowboys Nation on social media. And I believe that the question for us tonight is, is it time to panic or remain calm at kicker? And by panic, I hope you understand that I'm talking about pulling the plug on, on the Hirelaku project, on the Garibay project, and try, to go, and try to go and find somebody in free agency. Would you say that it is time to panic or remain calm at kicker? Let's see some of your, uh, of your comments here. Dr. Ed says, where was the mojo moment against the 49ers? Unfortunately, uh, didn't work out. Maybe it was a quarterback draw. We'll never know. Today was mojo-less, as Professor Rose says in the chat. Tommy says, Mo, do you know any good soccer players looking for a job in the NFL? I will make a confession right now. I do not follow any soccer league at all. Like, I don't follow uh, Liga MX here in Mexico. I don't follow Major League Soccer. I don't follow the champions, uh, you know, to just to, to give you an idea. And I know that it goes against the, 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 the you know, the stereotype of me being from Mexico, but I just, all kidding aside, I do not follow soccer. That's the one sport that I have failed to fall in love with. It feels to me that every sport that I give a chance, I fall in love with it. That's happened to me with mixed martial arts, with golf recently. Those are the two most recent pickups, maybe Formula One, but soccer, I cannot make it happen, man. I, I, so I don't know. I know that Tommy was joking, uh, but yeah, I don't know. So, panic or remaining calm at kicker. Let's see. Professor O goes with the panic. 
let's see. Red button hit. Says Tommy915. Joseph Panic. Gregory as well. Gilbert says, uh, remain calm. Remain calm. Uh, let's see. Joe says, I am Italian. I am Italian and I hate soccer. <laughs> there you go. No panic, says Betsy as well in the YouTube chat. Tammy goes with panic and I will go with remaining calm. I know, I hate to say it, I'm not happy about, you know, how Lyrium is doing, how Jonathan is doing. I am concerned, just as many in Cowboys Nation. But I did it again to this morning. I decided to fire up Spot Rack and look for some of these available free agents. And once more, I was disappointed at the names that I was looking at. I was looking at players that we like to think that, you know, it can't be any worse. But with the names that are available at this stage, it might be. It might be worse. And I look at, you know, the top three names that show up in Spot Rack if you open up and, and their database and look for the available kickers. There's Michael Bagley, who had a 73% field goal rate in 2020 and in the last three years has gone 2-4-8 in attempts over 50 yards. Sam Ficken, who didn't play in 2021 because he was uh, placed on IR by the Titans before week one. And before that in 2019, and I went with 2019 because of the attempts, because in 2020, he pretty much didn't play a lot. But in 2019, he had a 70% field goal rate. And Matthew Wright, who has only 28 career attempts, all of them last year, no, like 24 last year, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he had an 89% field goal rate. Are any of these inspiring? I believe not. You know, Bagley is the biggest name, and he had a better year last season. But even, even still, he was an 82% in 21 attempts. That's a very low number. There were also additional names. Matt Amendola, he went 13 for 19. That's good for 68%, by the way. Uh, the following name was Chris Nagar, who was a part of the Cowboys early this offseason and has been waived since. I know that Cowboys fans will think about Kai Forbath. They will think about that one season in which Forbath nailed 100% of his attempts with the Cowboys. But I, I, I hate to be pessimistic, you know. But he kicked 10, 10, 10 attempts. That's what Kai Forbath had for the Cowboys back then. He was uh, 10 for 10. 7 for 7 between 40 and 49 yards. So maybe that's promising, right? But that was in 2019. He didn't kick in 2021. And in 2020, he went 2 for 3. But we're still talking about a guy that in 11 games in 2015, he, he kicked for 66%. That kicked for 84% in 2017. 80% in 2018, like... Orbat hasn't been the most consistent player either. And if we are just hoping that Forbat will be the same that he was when he nailed every single one of those 10 attempts that he had with the Cowboys, we might be guilty of a little bit of optimism. 
to be honest. We, we'll, we would be a little bit guilty of that. And I'm concerned that he has three kicks since 2020. Three attempts. I don't know. Uh, I mean, go for it. What I'm trying to say, at, uh, you know, to conclude this topic is that if the Cowboys feel better, feel good about one of these kickers and want to give it a shot, go for it. Maybe it isn't the worst. But honestly, maybe it is. So I will not hate on the Cowboys if they don't go target a kicker yet. I will not hate them for that. As opposed to how I feel about wide receiver. A position in which I feel like there is simply no excuse anymore to not go out there and sign somebody like Will Fuller, uh, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, T.Y. Hilton, whoever you want it to be. Trade for LaBisca Chenault like Professor O has suggested on this show. It's been bad, though, at a kicker. Like, it's been bad. If they want to trust Gary Vai and Hiro Lahu and maybe try to bet on these guys to see if one of them figures it out and finds the rhythm and finds the confidence, I'm fine with it because I don't trust any of the other options that are in free agency. <coughs> Let's see some of your comments here. I know there will be disagreements and I know it might sound like a hot take, but you know, you know the, the mojo moment, it was a tough one for anybody. 54-yarder, 59-yarder into the wind. Not a lot of kickers are going to make that anyway. Let's see. Professor O says, I would rather re-sign Jeff Hitt, the GOAT, and let him kick. Uh, let's see. Cowboys going to make it to the playoffs, and then many prayers needed, says Dan. Dan. Thank you to Dan for tuning in. You know, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Let's see. Uh, Dan Bailey is available. This is Professor O. Isn't Dan Bailey like done with football already though? We have the money. Why hasn't Jerry Jones signed a veteran receiver? I don't know. They like their guys, Joe. That's why. I don't like it either. I hope that, you know, they give in and end up signing somebody over the next couple of weeks. Maybe that happens. Maybe that happens. Betsy says McCarthy said today in his presser that they're going to wait, let the young ones have a shot, but they're still open to more signings. And McCarthy said, we know very little about this too. Now, I like where Bruce's mind is at here on the YouTube chat. No kicks anymore. Just hashtag go for two. And go for it on fourth down. But all kidding aside, even if you're going to be aggressive on fourth down, you obviously need to figure this position out. Because games will come down to, to, to field goals. It happens a lot. And when you need that game-winning field goal, you need somebody you can trust. So, I believe the Cowboys will wait on both of the positions, kicker and wide receiver, and maybe they end up giving in to the pressure and, and looking for some outside help that could be very beneficial for the team, but specifically at a kicker. I'm not convinced that there is a solid option to replace any of these two guys anymore. Let's see if the Cowboys try to, you know, lower 
the the bar a little bit and have both Harry Lahu and Gary Vai try to find their confidence with shorter attempts. We'll see if that happens or not. And then see when where, where they go from there, maybe. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight. Thank you for joining the show. Do me a favor, hit the like button. Every like allows us to put this show in front of more Cowboys fans as we continue to grow the ADC Sports Dallas community. And by the way, stay tuned because on Thursday there will be big announcements. And be on the lookout for that because you are officially ADCites if you watch ADC Sports Dallas primetime. Make sure you check out Skywalker Steel as well tomorrow morning. ADCSports.com slash Dallas, where we've got new articles every single day with news, opinion, and analysis on the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you for tuning in. I am Mauricio Rodriguez, and I will see you tomorrow night. ADC, uh, ADC Sports Dallas primetime at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas on the Man Sports Talk Network. Happy Tuesday night, everybody. See you tomorrow.